Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a cereal restaurateur and West Coast chef talking about his cowboy upbringing and best lessons learned. He is a chef, entrepreneur, judge on Triple G, and captain of the West Coast on this season of Beachside Brawl. It's Brian Malarkey. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Your Instagram bio says chef, father, cowboy, and captain. So we thought it might be fun to kind of dive into each of these roles with you. Sound good? I love it. I love it too. All right. So let's start off with cowboy. You grew up on a ranch in Oregon. How did growing up close to nature, animals, and the coast really shape your perspective of food and cooking from an early age? I grew up on a little ranch in central Oregon, Bend, Mm. Oregon, Redmond, Oregon, 100 acres, raised by my single mom. And I think that really defines me as a chef as I am today. You know, we raised our own cattle for the protein for the beef. We, I wrote, horses before and after school. We had hunting rifles. It was the real deal. You know, it was a lot of fun. My brother and I had to change irrigation pipes and mend fences. (laughs) And then in the summertime, it was off to Portland, Oregon to go visit my father. And he'd take us down to the Oregon coast where we had to hunt for blackberries and eat salmon and clams and oysters and the whole thing. So yeah, it certainly defines me that Pacific Northwest upbringing really defines the way I cooked my entire career. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a Montana girl. Also grew up on a cattle ranch, so you are you are eliciting a lot of childhood memories for me as well. I mean, you mentioned you know like some of the the, the oysters and and the salmon. What kinds of things do you think that kids growing up in in Oregon or the Pacific Northwest get to experience that maybe other kids in other parts of the country don't? You know, when you when you grow up in the country, and I you know I think everything's changing as we have social media and stuff like that. The being connected to the land and and your people and stuff. My best friend lived like two miles away, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean that was close. And <laughs> right. so you really find a lot of things to do in nature and in time and the way that you spend your days. And it's really great to always get back to the nature and reflect and be quiet and relax. You know, I'm in San Diego. I don't know where you're at. Where are you at? I'm in New York, but I, I lived in San Diego for a little while as well. So, and yeah, you know, the, the a little bit of silence is great for everyone. <laughs> do you have like specific memories like growing up like you know shucking your first oyster or cracking your first crab leg that kind of have stuck with you and maybe inspired you know your your career later on this is a this is gonna be a little rough here but okay as a young young child we my mom was dating a cowboy john John mcfarland i mean just the perfect cowboy name gentleman sounds like it cowboy hat on he drank red wine out of the jug bottle you know (laughs) roped and you know we won a christmas tree we went out and down a tree in the back and stuff like that. But man, he he gave my brother and I ropes when we were little. And he's like, oh, go out there. There's a bunch of calves. Go rope yourself a cow, you know, get yourself a pet. And <laughs> we caught Al. We loved Al. We fed Al and Al was the best. And we, we, we kept feeding him every day. He's like, feed him as much as you want. Feed him as much as you want. And there came that reality one day that, oh my gosh, Al's not my best friend. Al's the that was the, the, the future meal for us, you know? <laughs> so that really kind of changed my perspective. And when I realized what happened to Al as I grew up and as I realized we raised a cow every, every year, every summer for the same exact reason, my rebellious nature was I would actually go into the freezer and steal like the T-bone chop. Right. Like I knew the ones they wanted the most. And I'd go over to my friend Bill Olson's two, two miles away. I'd ride my little bike over there and we had thawed that out and I would cook it for him and my friends. And that was us like, you know, rebelling. Yes. Given, given the big old finger to the establishment, meaning my mom and, you know, the whole system. And it really kind of inspired me and got me cooking. <laughs> Pour, pouring one out for Al, you know? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was definitely pouring out some Kool-Aid for Al, you know? <laughs> I mean, speaking of which, who who in your life, like, kind of started to nurture those culinary interests that you, you speak about? I, I had a very different reflection on cooking. My mom, you know, she laughs and says, I... I I throw her under the bus literally every time I say this, but she was outside tending to the horses and the cattle and, and taking care of that. And I was, I was learning how to cook when I was, you know, six, seven years old out on the ranch. And then I'd go visit my father and he was into big meat cooking, always a roast going on. And there'd be like a can of green beans in, in, on the stove. And I think he just did that. So he, he thought that he had something healthy going on, <laughs> but it was always a big roast. And then my grandmother was much more of a society woman and she was everything from finger bowls, like the old school days, like the Titanic and stuff like that. And very full scale service restaurant kind of food. It was absolutely beautiful. So I had a lot of different from TV dinners to roasted meats to high end (laughs) dinners. I had a little bit of all of it. 
and everything in between. So when you decided to pursue a more formal education at Lake Cordon Bleu, how did your close circle, how did your family react? Well, it all started when I kind of was down. I was a theater arts major at Santa Barbara City College. That's where all the smart kids go. I mean, when, <laughs> when you're kind of going down the ladder of last ditch efforts, that was where I was at. <laughs> and my father came and watched me in a play. I was going to be an actor, you know, but I had a problem. I was only, I, I couldn't remember my lines very well, right? But I okay. thought I could be a good actor. I'm a bit of a character. And he looked at me and he goes, Moonchild, because that's what he called me back in the day. He's like, Moonchild, you are one of the worst actors I have ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, <laughs> I wow. know, dad. I know, dad. The problem was I knew. I was like, dad, I just can't remember the lines, man. I just don't know. But I got the story, but I just don't remember the lines. He goes, why don't you do what you love? And I was like, what is that, dad? I'm so confused. I'm a youth. You know, I'm not even 20 years old. I'm completely confused. He goes, every time I come around, you're cooking food for all your friends. You're making drinks for all your friends. And he goes, <laughs> and everyone's having the best time. I was like, yeah, dad, you want me to be like a professional partier? Like, <laughs> How can I do that in life? This is my dream job. He goes, no, Moonchild, you got to be a chef. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you get to cook for people and throw the party every night. And I was like, yeah, there might be a there might be a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, Dad. And I went to culinary school, and all honestly, I, I hated it. It was the <laughs> the black the black and white checkered pants, the the handkerchief around the neck, the paper hats, the starch white jackets. I was like, well, this isn't the party Dad told me I was throwing, you know. And so my friend and I would run around town, Portland, Oregon, and we'd go to the, all the nice restaurants, but we couldn't afford to really eat there. So it was so funny. We'd sit at the bar maybe and get a beer. And like steel menus, but we'd also walk around the dining room and like look at everybody's food on their plate, like like we work there or something. And so I really kind of piqued my interest into that higher end food and the bounties of the Pacific Northwest. You know, we went to the farmers markets, and that's where I started kind of getting it. I wound up doing an externship in Los Angeles at the Citrus, and that's where I realized like cooking's an art form. And that's, you know, the Bourdain was telling us that young cooks were rock stars. And it was true. And it was in Hollywood. But the celebrities were like looking at the cooks in this glass tin window. And it was edgy and it was raw. And we were like this army of just people that would come together in this chaos and make this amazing artistic food that tasted so good. And that's when I was smitten and bitten by the love <laughs> of food. And I never looked back. Yeah. So we, we are now just in case for anybody following along, we're now into the chef portion of your four pillars in your in your bio. We did cowboy. Uh, epic we did. cowboy. I didn't I did not touch on the base that I was Oregon State high school rodeo champion three years in a row. Oh, OK. What was so, your what event? Well, because you're from Montana and there's that little TV show called Yellowstone. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. That has <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> a little popular right now. Well, the thought is in Yellowstone, they have cutting horses and reining horses. Mm -hmm. Now, before Yellowstone, I could have told people what my my horse discipline was and nobody would have known it. But I ride the same horses that they do in Yellowstone. So you're those cool. Horses, those horses <laughs> that slide and they groove and they're really fancy and stuff like that. That's what I grew up riding. So that's what I was state champion high school rodeo in. Do you still ride now? I am still a very good rider. We still have the ranch in Oregon. I actually just bought the neighboring property to it. So the P-Bar-B, the Hawkeye Ranch is in full effect up there. My kids are learning to ride and rope and it's really fun up there. Oh, that's so cool. How often do you guys get up there? A lot now. Very exciting news. We will be opening a restaurant up there this fall. Ooh. 
I'm going home, right? Right now, all of the restaurants I have are in San Diego. There's Herban Wood, Herban Sea. There's Anime, Urban Ranch. And we have Le Coq, our French restaurant under construction right now in La Jolla. Hmm. But my, my brother and I just signed a lease on our place up in Oregon. I'm so excited to go back to my hometown and show them what we do. The restaurant will be called Hawkeye and the Huckleberry Lounge. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, so love we're gonna have, we have live music and we're gonna raise our own beef out on the ranch. My little, my little trick here is we're gonna actually fatten our beef up on hemp. There's so much oh. hemp product up there yeah. that's been over harvested that you're going to mix it with the alfalfa hay and hemp. So I'm gonna have some happy cows at the end. <laughs> I mean, what does that do to? I mean, does probably that do- nothing. Probably but I'm nothing. Just, I'm just saying it's it's marketing to the best. All right, <laughs> hemp harvested beef. You I heard love it that. here first, okay? I mean, you you're you're a pioneer. Is this wait? So is this gonna be in in Portland or is it gonna be in Oregon? To- Okay, in bed, in bed. All right, I love that. So, I mean, how how would you describe, I guess, your your journey from what you were describing a few minutes ago? You know, Brian right out of culinary school, kind of finding his way, and and Brian now opening up this beautiful restaurant near his hometown. You know, it's obviously been a big learning experience, a lot of highs and lows. Chefs and cooks are kind of mercenaries. I worked in Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And floated around a lot and really just learned the craft. And I figured out, you know, how to be a good chef, how to make other people money, how to, you know, make sure that enough people enjoyed my food to support the business. And then after that, I, you know, continued to push. I opened my first restaurant, Searsucker, back in the day, had the whole fabric of social dinings. We had gingham and gabardine and burlap and herringbone. And we were able to sell that for a a really wonderful price. (laughs) And now we have our new group of restaurants, the ones down here, Urban Wood and Anime and all those. So we're having a lot of fun. I I learned to be much more than a cook. I became a chef, a mentor, and then with the gift of, you know, Food Network and TV and Top Chef and stuff like that, I was able to do a lot of marketing and really promote the brands. And, you know, I learned how to be a restaurateur. And now I'm becoming a an investor. So lots of opportunities. And what made you ultimately want to kind of dive into that side of the business, you know, versus just being the person that's, you know, throwing the party and putting out the food? <laughs> I looked around and I said, all these people I'm making money for, they don't know as much as I know. <laughs> and I know the front of the house. I know the back of the house. I, I know the marketing. I know the HR, the PR. I know everything, Right. And I was like, why am I working for the person making them so much money when I could be doing it with my friends and making money for ourselves? And we've been very fortunate to have had great success as restaurateurs. And we survived COVID and we're thriving right now. And, you know, going into Bend, Oregon is a massive lift because they don't they don't have the kind of restaurants I open and mm-hmm. they're, they're not small. Our, our average restaurant is 7,500 square feet. We open, wow. we open big, powerful restaurants and our restaurants aren't just the food's the most important thing or the ambiance is the most important thing. We are in harmony with your, your sights, your sounds, your smells, your touch and bringing all those things together. Because what we want people to do is put down their phones for a while and really enjoy human interaction and conversation and taking hospitality back to that original concept of breaking bread and, and clinking your glasses together and sharing story, as they say in Hawaii, and really just laughter and having a great celebration of life. Has that always been a focus of your restaurants or is that something you've kind of evolved? 
Two. That is all I have ever wanted to do. It takes a either a very modest or a very arrogant person to realize that it's not all about being a chef chef. You mm-hmm. have to be a business person. You have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be comfortable enough in your own skin to cook for the people and not cook for other chefs. So many young chefs are out there making food to impress other chefs or food critics or food writers or you know, that company that's named after a tire company. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but, you know, when you're trying to cook for those people, you're forgetting about the guest. You know, I go in and I, I read menus and there's stuff on menus like I'm going, it's just too chefy. It's too fancy. Give people a great meal that is not just arrogant and ego driven, but just heart and soul. And that's when you can find success. What's your favorite part of the process, especially, you know, opening a new restaurant like you're working on now? My favorite part is talking to the people, finding mm-hmm. out their, their, their happiness, their love, watching teams come together, the heart of the house, the, the front of the house, and watching those people really form lifelong bonds. And really, when people get it, and they just sit there and you look and they're laughing and talking, and, you know, they're not you know, overly taking pictures of food or ambiance. And they're just like, they're enjoying their conversation. That's when I feel the best, when the noise is is loud and mm-hmm. the laughter is big. And I can hear, like I said, the, the glass is clinking. That's what I want to do. I am throwing that party. I am, <laughs> I am bringing people together to celebrate life. Do you tend to, you know, be more hands-on or do you kind of let your team, you know, do, do what you hire them to do once, uh, once they get up and running? Uh, I am the, I have become the most hands-off person <laughs> in the world. I read a, I read a, I read a great quote, a quote by Richard Branson the other day that they're like, how have you been successful in so many different businesses? And I mean, by God, don't mean, am I comparing myself to him in any means, but you, you learn from other people. And he said, I get great people with great, you know, work ethics and great story and great, you know, great people. Yeah. And he said, I give them the resources to succeed and then I get out of their way, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's what I like to do too. I find chefs that are better than me. I find people that know more than I do. And I ask questions and I find out and I give them the resources to succeed. And then I watch the flower blossom and I watch it grow and I water it. And that's what (laughs) I do. I love to smell the flowers when they're in full bloom. So (laughs) how much does, um, you know, location of the restaurant kind of influence how you conceptualize everything from decor to the actual menu itself? Like how much is Bend, Oregon represented in this in this new venture? My business partner, Chris Puffer and I, we've always kind of jokingly referred to ourselves as biz as building whispers. We (laughs) don't walk in with a concept we get inside the building and we say, what does this building want to be? What does this neighborhood want? Who are, you know, what is this going to be? Cause I'm not just a French chef, an Italian chef, a Americana chef, you know, we're, we're able to do so many different styles and concepts. And then we find the people that works in that concept. Like we mm. have anime, our Asian concept right now. We have Tara Monson, who's one of the most exciting chefs in the country. She's a Filipino chef, putting that kind of street food Filipino in a high-end environment, bring, blending together everything from Island to Japanese to Vietnamese and putting these things together. And it's just extraordinary to watch it all come together. So Yes, a central the the one in Bend, Oregon is literally going to be a celebration of the Pacific Northwest. 
You know, I cannot wait to do that. It's going to be almost campy, glamping inside, but you're not corny. It's right. a, there's a fine line where that can go <laughs> terribly, terribly wrong, where Western can become spaghetti Western and is really putting those all those things together. <laughs> Because we don't want to make a restaurant that's fun for a year, two years, three years, five years. We want to build institutions that last 20 years. What is it about, you know, what you and the people you work with are doing differently that continues to kind of elevate, you know, the industry and and help you guys evolve as well? We bring in the youth. We bring in we bring in fresh eyes and fresh blood and all of our chefs and GMs and stuff like that. They're partners with us in our restaurants. You know, we're we're trying to fold people in as owners when they're when they're able so that they are completing and fulfilling their dreams. Also, that's hugely important to us. You know, you want people to have that 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 passion, that connection, that drive. And hospitality is a fairly basic, you know, human you know, drive is just getting people who care. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing in the world is getting people who care and take ownership. And if you have somebody, you can walk into a restaurant and, and the first three minutes, you know what their heart and soul is. You know, if it's working, you can feel the attention to detail. You can feel like the, the life, the soul of a restaurant, the people. And that comes from the leadership of the place. And that's, that's what really makes a difference in our industry. And by, you know, kind of empowering these people that you hire by, you know, giving them, you know, you know, kind of a stake in the business. How much of a difference does that make, you know, in terms of just them, you know, putting forth their best effort every day? It's it's the only thing that matters. You know, everybody wants, everybody wants to be seen and heard and accepted and, and cared for and loved and feel like they're, they're part of the ownership. And when you get that, it's, it's the game changer. Money cannot buy that commitment, you know, like just a, a soul of money. You want to have that ownership that like, I'm committed to this for a a lifetime. This is, this is my baby, you know? And that's what, that's what it does when you have that. Do you have a, a favorite restaurant that you've opened over the years? Or is that like choosing a favorite child? Well, Herbenwood, Herb we, we, we pronounce the H, we pretend like we're in Australia or London. <laughs> Herb, Herb. Be- because there is a Herb, there is an H in it. Herb and Wood will always be my favorite because it was after our fabric brands had been sold and it was our reboot and we got rid of a lot of partners we didn't like. And it was really the heart and soul of our favorite people and my business partner, Puffer, and I coming together. And that was the menu and the venue. And he designed his restaurant. He designed that restaurant entirely by himself. And we put our our heart and soul into that. And that was the last one I I. I would do, as they say, ground, ground, grind to grind, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where you are working the 12, 14 hour days down there and you're making it work. You are going to lift it up and carry it up the hill on your back in the snow if you had to, you know, and now we're putting together great teams that do that hard lift. But there's something that when you, you know, out of the ashes rises this amazing thing. And it's just still a San Diego favorite. It's like she's six, seven years old now on pace to do $12 million this year. Wow. She's a big girl. And and the amount of people that have celebrated moments in their lives that they'll remember forever is just magical. That's really cool. Well, speaking of of kids, you are the father of three children as we kind of move into that portion of your life. How different is raising children from raising restaurants? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) There might be. That's kind of interesting. I haven't been asked that one. There might be some some similarities in there. So (laughs) 
I just like to tell all those like those young parents that are so <laughs> excited. Like you don't get the warning label. All right. You don't get the warning. All right. You heard like, oh, oh, wait till the teenagers, whatever, whatever. Right? I have two 12 year olds and a 14 year old. And I see these little people and they're like, oh, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to dress it to be cute. I'm going to love it. I'm going to feed it organic food and I'm going to make sure the sun doesn't shine on it. And all these amazing things. And then fast forward, I have 12 and 14 year olds that have stinky armpits. They don't clean their room. Please and thank you. We're forgotten. They used to do it when they're like eight and nine. They're lovely children then. And they have bicycles and they disappear and you have to track them down and you have to wait for them. And there it's just a whole nother world of joy. They don't wear what you want them to wear. They don't wear they dress like they're homeless. They have long shaggy hair. If you want to cut their hair, you got to like hold them down. And <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot. They eat hamburgers and pizza and it's, and they live on candy. I can't stop it. I don't know. I, I don't know what I did right or wrong, but <laughs> they are going, uh, yeah, they're going to be young pirates. I'm sure because I think <laughs> I was probably just like them as a child. I'm sure you, I mean, you know, stealing T-bones and taking them over to your friend's house to cook them just to rebel, I think sounds, you know, but, in a different in a different way. A but I thought that if I was that one, if I was the bad kid, them rebelling against me would be like studious and smart <laughs> and, and dress really nice and, you know, be opposite of me. But unfortunately, they're following in my footsteps. Yeah, I don't know if it works that way. Oh. <laughs> Have any of them shown an interest in food as much as dad? They, One of them likes to bake a little bit. One of them likes to cook a little bit. One of them doesn't want to do anything in the kitchen. But I will tell you this. Every show, I do not win. And if you're a fan of shenanigans, malarkey, you know there's a lot of those. <laughs> Any show, I do not win. They will, they will if they give me the audience and, and do me the pleasure of actually watching me on TV, they will tell me everything I did wrong and how they could probably beat oh. me themselves and how I need to step up my game and how I need to stop using too many ingredients. And they critique with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they tell me they're they're the best. And I'm like, let's go. Let's cook right now. And then I get nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the, the the family favorites in the Malarkey household as, as far as, you know, food and, and dishes are concerned? Uh, I'm a protein chef. I am just a true big protein chef. They love but there's something te terribly hit, wrong happened. Several things wrong happened during COVID. But one of the worst was <laughs> Animate is has an incredible Wagyu beef program. Right. Mm. And, you know, first month, two months, we put a lot of stuff in the freezer and we're reserving stuff. Well, after a while, I'm like, well, let's go down to anime and get some of that Wagyu beef. So my kids started thinking that really great, you know, grade A five, <laughs> like Japanese Wagyu beef was just a thing, not like a luxury. And we started eating it during COVID. And now they're like, hey, dad, we need some more of that Wagyu. I was like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not the way it works. That was just a weird thing that happened in our lives. So they love they love the steaks. They love beef dinners. We have big steak dinners. And then we do a seafood Sunday, where we're very fortunate to be here in San Diego. We have a lot of great local fish around here, great shellfish around here. And because the garbage gets picked up on Monday, seafood Sunday is the big seafood uh, fast right there. That makes sense. <laughs> so that's the the healthiest thing I can get them is seafood from time to time. <laughs> you gotta you got you better, you know keep a lock and key on that that 
that freezer at anime because if they're taken after dad, they might be sneaking in there and grabbing the Wagyu. They even, and then we had, <laughs> we had my, I had a big birthday party not too long ago. And then they discovered caviar is oh. also very good too. Yeah. So they're ruined in that aspect. <laughs> it's, it's, but there's no middle. It's like literally like pizza, hamburger, Panda Express to Wagyu caviar lobster. <laughs> I mean, it sounds perfect to me. I don't know. Aside from them critiquing, you know, any competition that you appear on on TV, what do they think about dad being a TV star? They make fun of my clothes. <laughs> they make fun of the way I talk. They they make fun of everything. I don't think kids will ever, ever think their parents are cool no matter who they are. So I'm an embarrassment to them, even though their <laughs> friends ask, like, what's your dad like? What's your dad? Oh, he's good. Can your dad cook me food? You know, I saw your dad. Can he make me a steak like that? And they're like, no, he can't. No, he's he's, <laughs> he's no good. So he's trash. <laughs> they, they, they occasionally do. They do bring over their They have friends that are kind of fans and the, the kids will come over and they'll be like, Mr. Malarkey, can we have something? I was like, yes, let's do it. And then their friends like me. And then then they get mad at their friends. And it's just, the teenage things are very confusing, even for us that are not teenagers. I mean, I think I think the moral of the story is you can't win, right? Like- there is no winning. A hundred percent no winning. <laughs> Coming up next, Brian tells us what it was like being a captain of the West Coast this season on Beachside Brawl and later gives us behind the scenes scoop on why he loves filming Triple G. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, speaking of TV, let's talk about your role as captain. Now, 
is Captain in your Instagram bio referencing the fact that you were captain of the West Coast season of Beachside Brawl, or is are you a captain of other things as well? I am a yachtsman. I'm a boatsman. <laughs> I've been driving boats. We've had boats since I was a kid. We've been water skiing, wakeboarding. So I am a captain, certified captain. So boating has always been a huge thing in our family. So we love to boat and have fun. And, you know, to be a chef is to be a chief, as is to be a captain of the boat also. Sure. So you're a captain of many things, including the West Coast for Beachside Brawl. Um, Which the captain was up on my social before that. But I, I, I guess now it really makes sense. No, really. Huh? I mean, you know, you're just like you're, you're just growing into your Instagram bio, I guess. You know, I <laughs> thinking and now realizing what my title was. I have no idea how I missed this. I should have had my team saluting me the whole time. I mean, there, <laughs> there should have been like a pecking order and swab the decks and like a whole lot of stuff going on there. So. No, well, we're very excited for this new season of Beachside Brawl, and you're you're competing against fellow chef, former guest on this show as well, Eric Ajapong. What are the key differences between East and West Coast food and flavor? Who is that? I'm not familiar with that gentleman. What's his name? <laughs> Eric Ajapong. No, it doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> no, he must know who I am, though, right? Uh, obviously, obviously. <laughs> The battle is fierce. The battle is real. I'll tell you that. There's, there's, it's fun. We will have a very fun season this season because neither one of us want to lose and we both <laughs> love to win. So Eric and I've known each other for a few years now. We are actually on Top Chef All-Stars together, which is a scary existence uh, <laughs> living in a reality TV world. <laughs> but yeah, it's so much fun. I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I've just been up and down the West Coast my whole life, cooking all the way from, you know, Seattle, Washington, along the Puget Sounds to the, the coast of Oregon, from Santa Barbara to Los Angeles and now San Diego. So just absolutely seafood is my, my main driving force. That is what I, I excel at. I love shellfish. No disrespect. I, I, I actually love East Coast seafood as well. I actually like, don't throw me off the coast here, West Coast, but I like the East Coast oysters better than the West Coast oh, oysters. Oh, interesting. I like West Coast oysters better. Oh, I like <laughs> I like how hard the shells are on the East Coast okay. oyster and they hold the salt water. I mean, that's that's really the ticket right there. The plumpness in the salt water is what you're really looking for there. But to play in all those different genres. And as, as we cook this season, the amount of learning and education and it's so much more East Coast, you know, I, I, he, he has such a diverse team that you forget about that the, the lower South and, and Florida and mm. then the Caribbean and all the way up to the true hard hit Maine and stuff like that. You have such a variety. You know, I thought the West Coast would have all the variety, but I really learned with his leadership and his team and their incredible cooking. I learned so much about East Coast cooking throughout this season. And I even learned more about my own West Coast because we had such a diverse, incredibly talented team on the West Coast also. I mean, how do you approach your position in a show like this versus, you know, obviously competing or judging you in this situation, you are mentoring, you are leading, you know, your team of five. How do you kind of, I guess, approach and handle that? I could have been more at home. This is exactly where I'm at. All right. So we didn't get cooks that need a lot of direction. We have incredible chefs, right? Mm -hmm. They know how to make great food, but what they don't know how to do is do it in a competitive nature and, and do it in a, a timed event with limitations 
or obstacles and all those things that Antonia and the guest chefs are throwing at you. Like, what is it? You know, you, you're, you're in a box. When you're in your restaurant, you're cooking in your mind and with your team and you have time. Competitive cooking is an entirely different beast. And Eric and I both have a, a, a ton of experience in that realm. So I'm literally putting them in and, and and we have to do a lot of cohesive cooking, menu planning, like what does this dish look like? And, and really going, that doesn't work in this. This works here, you know, and really guiding those people. And that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, 10, 15 years of my life is putting these teams together and then making them cohesive and mm-hmm. seeing a common goal or a, a common, common finish line. So I was completely in my element in this and really using their skill level, but fine tuning it inside of them and going, this is what we need for this competition. Without, without giving away spoilers, what, what are some like twists we can expect to see on, on this season? I think I throw Eric off the pier several times. Oh no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Walk the plank. Walk the plank. It's just fierce and it's fun. You know, I watched the first season with Brooke and Tiffany and Mm -hmm. they were great and I learned a lot from them, but it feels like the competition's gotten harder. And I think the, the level of the cooks has gotten better. You know, as everything gets a little bit better with a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more time and they throw some crazy crazy challenges at us and we're cooking in the sand and we're 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 fishing and we're i mean it, what they're doing to us is pretty intense and of course there's a lot of good gameplay between eric and i having our own little personal battles too how successful was captain malarkey on the fishing expedition well, we could just call up Eric right now. I, I think I, I, I don't think we even need to talk about the fishing. Eric, you hold the fishing pole from the real side, okay? You're not the other side. And talking to the fish does not work. I was just messing with you. So, all right. Well, we'll we'll see that unfold. I'm sure. What is screen. humiliating is production did make us wear the horrible orange life jackets. Right? Oh. I'm talking like. I, I mean, I guess Leonardo would have loved one on the Titanic, but I would have probably preferred drowning to wearing this life jacket. It Those was, are the it's, worst. It's an embarrassing moment. Like, couldn't we have had something stylish, my friends? But I, yeah. think, I think, you know, Guy and Lando and the whole crew is just <laughs> laughing and la- look what these guys will do. This is hilarious. What did you and Antonia and Eric get up to behind the scenes? Well, you know, we shot Redondo, so Mm. up in Orange County. We checked out a lot of really cool restaurants up there. We wish the sun was out a little bit. You know, we all had a little bit of a harsh season. Mm. It was a little cold out there, (laughs) but really just fun running around that kind of that South Bay area up there. So many fun restaurants to go check out and hang out. And anytime you're on set, it's kind of fun because Mm -hmm. you do have long shoots, but then you get to just kind of relax also when you're not at home and worrying about kids and businesses (laughs) and stuff like that. So it's fun and, and great bonding experience. We had so many so many talented and great guest chefs come in to judge us so that's always fun to catch up with all your friends of course and speaking of catching up with your friends you spent a lot of time in Flavortown Market as well on Triple G what do you love about filming that show specifically it's it's my favorite show it's so much fun that grocery store is legit I mean it's not real you can't really go there and shop but it's a real grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I just love how they donate all of their product that goes, that's, you know, has the expiration dates to the local food banks and stuff like that. But 
when you get a shop in a grocery store, it's it's like your own. It's like you know you've ever been on a shopping spree or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, guys got limits on money or letters, whatever you're doing, whatever the game is. But man, running up and down that alley, just like grabbing stuff and throwing in your cart and cooking and laughing. And you know, when you do a serious competition like tournament of champions or top chef, you're in the zone because you better cook great because there's. There's obstacles, but they're, they're obstacles you can conquer. When you're shooting triple G, you're just like, it's an afternoon delight. You're having fun with your friends. You're playing for charity, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And everyone's laughing. Things go wrong. Things go right. And it's just, it's like a giant playground for <laughs> chef children like myself. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of shenanigans, as lot. Well, which as the real fans know is Guy's nickname for you. Was there a specific like incident that happened or is it just your your general, you know, demeanor that that prompted that nickname? I don't necessarily know when the first shenanigans <laughs> started being called, but it was probably back in the day where I was doing celebrity cooking with it was chefs with professional athletes. And I was with former Oakland Raiders fullback Marcel Reese, good mm-hmm. friend of guys. And we're in this competition. We're going to stuff like Robert Irvine, this baseball player and these great chefs. And we're throwing down. We're in the finals. And then we're, we're like doing great. I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, Marcel. He goes, malarkey, malarkey. When we win, when we win, we're going to chest bump. I was like, yeah, Marcel, let's chest bump. He goes, no, malarkey. He goes, when we win, we're going to chest bump. I was like, what? I goes, we're going to chest bump. And I'm like getting on my skin. I'm like, we're going to chest bump. He's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, guy announces it. And, and he looks at me and he nods. And we jump up in the air. And he is 250 in a, a block <laughs> of a man. He hit me so hard in my chest. My legs go over my head. I'm like three feet in the air. I take out like two cameras. I land on my <laughs> But I think I break my tailbone. Guy falls out of his chair onto the ground. He's on the ground laughing. And if shenanigan hadn't started by then, it stuck that day. Wow. Right? Wait, is that did that make the show? I hope. Oh, the oh he <laughs> It makes the show about every season. Okay. There, there, there'll be a blooper reel of me flying through the air. And you'll be like, what was, was that malarkey going through the air? Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I, guy's having a bad day, he just like repeats. He's like, then it's, everything's all good again. So what, what other shenanigans do you get up to on that show? Oh, my gosh. The most recent episode, another of the egg episodes where we're trying to feed Guy his least favorite food in the world, eggs, his dog, <laughs> I can't remember his dog's name, chases me around the grocery store. Like, and it's a, one of those little, like, Yabby French dogs. bulldogs. Oh, and it's, French like, bulldog. it's okay. coming after me. And, like, <laughs> like I mean, it almost took me down. So... There is so many shenanigans on that show and the amount of times I throw food at Troy Johnson when he's judging, everything goes wrong on that show. It's so much fun. That's, I mean, it looks like it's a lot of fun, you know, from watching it at home. So it's always good to hear that you guys are having just as much fun as, as we see on TV. Back to another episode with Marcel Reese. As I was getting more comfortable with him and I figured he can't hurt me any worse than that, we're, <laughs> we're defending our crown. So that's how that one worked out. We obviously won and I broke my butt. <laughs> we're running down. So I, in the olden days in San Diego, we used to have a football team here. It was called the San Diego Chargers. I they, remember I covered them for oh yeah, four they, years. <laughs> they fled us. They left. They no, left. No goodbye. No, no, mm. no sorry notes or anything like that. So we're all a little hurt down here. But 
he was playing for the Oakland Raiders and we're running down the canned food section. And I'm like, yo, yo, Oakland sucks. Because if you're a, if you're a Charger fan, you got to hate Oakland and they're in the same division as yep. us. He took my body on the canned food section and we cleaned out the whole section. He just like, <laughs> and I mean, it was the funniest thing ever. And it hurt also. So that's another fun thing we've done on the show. A- any other projects in the, in the works for you that we haven't covered yet? <sighs> yeah, I'm really excited. We have during COVID also, we came up with a oil line. It's called Chef's Life. I realized that so many people were cooking with extra virgin olive oil. I wanted to tell them what oil to cook with. Mm. So extra virgin olive oil is an amazing oil, but it's meant to finish stuff. It's not meant to cook. It's got a lot of flavor. It's very delicate. So we came up with Chef's Life oils. We're in Kroger's nationwide. We're in about 3,000 grocery stores right now. And we have a cooking oil, which is a blend of avocado, grapeseed, sunflower, and olive, the Mm. second press. And that it can... The the heat level on that is the like a million degrees. So wow. it's like, you know, Guinness World Record holder and stuff like that. <laughs> Might be some shenanigans there, but it's 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 the best cooking oil you'll ever use. We have that in two sprays also. And then we have a chef's like blending oil that has some extra virgin olive oil in it and then some great grapeseed and avocado. And then we had our have our own extra virgin olive oil. So we shoot a ton of content for that. But Chef's Life is incredible. We have a charitable give back program to Golden Rule Charity. Um, we have the new, the new restaurants and I'm shooting a bunch of fun stuff with you guys right now. I was just out in your test kitchens, shooting a bunch of summer grilling things for Love. the kickoff of Beachside Brawl also. So lots of fun stuff there. Life is full and magical. Kids are fun and exciting as, as, you know, as they can get. Well, it sounds like a lot of exciting things happening in your future, and we're so excited to follow along. We have a few rapid fire questions we're going to finish off with, and we have one final question for you that we ask everybody here on the podcast. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> no, it's really easy. I promise. All right. Rapid fire. How do you take your coffee as you're drinking it? <laughs> just nothing else. Just just the coffee. How many pairs of glasses do you own? Oh my God, I'm I'm have a, I have an addiction. I have a <laughs> I have a glass addiction. Jacques Marie Mirage or something like that. I have far too many. We're probably getting into the eighteen to twenty pair now. So okay, all right. Chef tool everyone should have a great knife and a spoon. I think okay. that's all you need. Yeah. Describe your time on TOC in one word. Exhilarating. <laughs> Tattoo with the best story. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have cowboy here. I just got cowboy. Oh, nice. I, I, I got our brand right here. We got an arrow. We got our medieval horse here. We've got some good ones. All right. I we like got it. luck and love. Love. Describe your personal style. Oh, I got this. It's James <laughs> Dean meets Matthew McConaughey oh. before he started dressing up for the football games. But actually, I do do that fashion, too. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> Favorite celebrity encounter. Oh, my God. This is I, I don't know that there, there's a Kid Rock one, but I can't tell you all about that okay. one because it was Kid Rock. <laughs> that sounds on brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> All right, we'll just we can enough just, said. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. All right, so this is our final question. This is not rapid fire. What would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want you to kind of take us through the progression of the day: breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. If you're a dessert guy, there's no rules. You can time travel, travel wherever you want in between wow. meals. No calories are are counted. Yeah, wow. it's your day. Wow. No calories are counted. No, no. We can no. eat all the gluten we want. All, we can yeah. eat sugar. Oh, no, my God. No, no allergies. Yeah, nothing. I don't know if I can put it in order. That's okay. But, but 
I don't mean to sound boring, but I, I do appreciate and love a, a perfect avocado toast. This yeah. is so California. You can slap me. I, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It's disgusting. You know what? It is uh, delicious, though. I mean, there's there's a reason why I, it's I like so popular. To tell a story. I was like going, you guys, when I do some demos and stuff, I'm like, you guys, you know, there's there's a secret chef hall of fame in the world. Right. And it's where. We don't get to tell anyone about it. It's like the secret society. It's like Fight Club. We don't talk about it. But I'm going to let you guys know because you're Food Network and you should know this stuff. But there was a day where there's this big sandwich and it was like bread and it was let's say like turkey and salamis and cheeses and lettuces and stuff like that. And the guy was having a tough time making food costs. And he was like, oh, God, I'm going to take some of this stuff out of here. He's like, oh, God. And, you know, but nobody was really ordering it. It's like, wasn't as good as the original sandwich. He goes, oh, God, it was just so expensive to make and stuff like that. He whittles this thing down. He eventually just gets rid of the top piece of bread and he gets rid of this. He gets rid of this and he gets all the way down to one piece of bread and an avocado. And all of a sudden he just puts a little salt and olive oil on it, extra virgin olive oil on it. And people go crazy for it. And then he goes, I'm going to charge twice as much money for this <laughs> as I did for the whole sandwich. Thus, this is why this person is in the culinary hall of fame because they whittled down that giant sandwich into a piece of bread with guacamole on it and we have been making a fortune off of it ever since do we know who this person is or is no, it they're, just like they're, they're just the person they're, they're right? just you're okay so you're having some avocado you're having avocado are you putting an egg on your avocado toast Always, as well yes okay. post the six and a half minute egg okay yep. right I have to have ramen, right? Ramen mm. is just one of my, oh, it's like the best ramen is one of maybe the dirtiest, greatest things I've ever had in my life. Proper, proper beef, be it a Wagyu or a proper cooked ribeye is very, very important. Shellfish all day long. Mm. Everything from sea urchin to uni to spot prawns to clams to lobster. Oh, all day long, a proper <laughs> corn dish. You've always got to have like a, my kids are in love with Mexican street corn. Mm -hmm. So we do different versions all the time. And then I gave up alcohol about seven months ago mm -hmm. and I'd never had a sweet tooth before that, but man, I am a sweet <laughs> tooth now. And so chocolate and ice cream, salt and straw. Ooh. I love Tyler and the whole crew behind salt and straw. Great people. So a proper dessert has to be done. But then I also go up to those huckleberries and blackberries and stuff like that up in the Northwest. And <laughs> yeah. that just blows my mind. Oh, I just love food, you know, <laughs> smoked salmon, a proper bagel with everything seasoning on it. Oh, there's so many good things to celebrate in life. My last meal, if I was like in prison right now, you uh -huh. know, which I probably shouldn't be, would be really big. Yeah. I mean, it sounds I mean, I think all of those things would have to be on the list, right? So good. And I love that you have, you know, some Huckleberry represented in there as well for the Pacific oh, Northwest. Because gotta put it in there. Very close to my heart as well. It has been so lovely chatting with you and hearing about, you know, your your four, I guess, pillars. And thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us. Lots of love. Be sure to tune in. This is going to be a wild, epic ride. One of the funnest shows, one of the funnest crews ever. And the talent level of these chefs and their personalities and who they are and what they do and the different regions they come from up and down the East and West Coast is so much fun. And like I said, we have so many fun, fun, fun guests judges that come and hang out with us and who doesn't enjoy a day cooking on the pier or the beach with a lot of friends in a friendly little competition <laughs> we cannot wait looking forward to it cheers cheers and love thank you you can catch brian on the all-new season of beachside brawl sunday june 18th at 10 9 central on food network 
Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 